Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. You're listening to Radical Philosophy at 8.55am. This is Susan Wolfe from the University of North Carolina. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolfe and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. You can live a lifetime and at the end of it, Know more about other people than you know about yourself. Beryl Markham, West with the Night, 1942. Welcome to Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. I'm speaking to Dr. Laura Schroeder, School Manager, School of Historical and Philosophical Studies at Melbourne University. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. Now... Could you tell us what are two-dimensional semantics? Well, 2D semantics is a formal framework that's used to characterize two different aspects of meaning. And the framework is basically used to defend a traditional approach to meaning, which says that you know exactly what you're thinking and talking about. So, for instance, you know exactly which stuff counts as water, things count as dogs, which things count as democratically elected governments, and so on, for every single topic that you can think of. Then back in the 1970s, a number of theorists noticed a a problem with that traditional view that you know exactly what you're thinking about. And they, they pointed out, well, look, sometimes we think we can be wrong about the defining characteristics of familiar things. So it looks like we could discover, that we did discover, that water is identical to H2O. Or you might discover that the morning star is identical to the evening star. You know, these two things, two, apparently two different heavenly bodies appearing at different places in the sky at different times. Hey, we found out that they're one and the same thing. And by the way, it's not a star at all. It's, it's the planet Venus. So we think that we can be corrected about what exactly we're thinking and talking about. And we don't know their essential nature. And 2D semantics is a way of trying to accommodate that observation about our own corrigibility about the subject matter of our thoughts. So they distinguish two different aspects of meaning. One aspect is indirect criterion for discovering the essential nature of the things we're talking about. So you might know, if we get empirical evidence like this, then water is H2O. But if we get some other kinds of empirical evidence, like this other thing, then we'll figure out that water is, say, Aristotelian prime matter. And if you get a still different body of evidence, you'll you figure out that water is something else. So what you mean depends on what evidence you get. And so the first aspect of meaning is that indirect criterion that allows you to make that transition from a body of evidence to a uh, conclusion about what, what the heck you're talking about. And then the second aspect of meaning is, well, well, water just is, in fact, H2O. So you get the essential nature of the thing that you're talking about, the essential defining characteristics. 
So by making that distinction between the criterion you use for identifying the essential nature and the essential nature itself, the 2D semanticist can, can hold on to that traditional idea that we actually do know exactly what we're thinking and talking about, but we know it comes in the form of this indirect reference-fixing criterion. What's the connection between 2D semantics and the foundations of philosophy? <laughs> well... Yeah, there's a, actually a, a very traditional philosophical puzzle about how you can recognize the right answer to a philosophical question, like what is X, what is free will, what is knowledge, what, is, what does it take for something to be morally right? So those big questions in philosophy where you're trying to find out the essential nature of some really puzzling feature of the world. And the, the, the puzzle that Mina was hi- highlighting is, well, look, if you don't know the answer already, how are you going to recognize the right answer when you come across it? How could you, how could you figure out that, that you got the right definition if you didn't know something already that would allow you to judge uh, that that's the right answer? So, on the other hand, if you do know the right answer already, then what's the point of asking the question? So there's this puzzle about how exactly you can come to know the nature of these familiar things. Why could that, how could that be an interesting question to ask, and how can you actually make sense of discovering an answer? And 2D semantics is, is a way of trying to address this, this question, because it gives you these two aspects of meaning that correspond to the two aspects of the question. On the one hand, you can't know the essential nature of these things. You don't start out just in virtue of knowing the meaning, knowing the essential nature of free will or knowledge or what it takes to be morally right. But according to 2D semantics, you can know indirect criteria for recognizing the correct answer. So you have this indirect reference-fixing criterion that, that constrains your answer and gives you sort of a foundation. It's the starting point for any knowledge about what it is you're talking about. So knowledge of meaning, according to 2D semantics, it gives you this this a priori infallible starting point. Just in virtue of knowing the meaning of the term, you know rules for identifying the right answer. And it, def- it essentially defines the, the subject matter, defines like, plays something like the role of a stipulative definition. It defines what exactly you're thinking and talking about. And so you're guaranteed to have that, uh, that knowledge a priori, independently of any kind of empirical inquiry, just in virtue of being able to ask the question in the first place. Definitions are, are very important and probably the most time-consuming part of trying to sort of do a survey or solve a problem. And uh, I could sort of relate that to the definition of being homeless. Hmm. When... Um, you sort of look into it and you think, oh, well, someone's homeless, they're mm-hmm. homeless. But then then you think, well, do you classify somebody who's living in a caravan park as being homeless or mm-hmm. a rooming house? Or So it sort of becomes very difficult to define something, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's not, it's not a straightforward matter uh, of saying exactly what the boundaries of the concept that you're thinking about are. Uh, although you can point to some clear cases, the characterizing the meaning uh, involves being able to draw a line around all of the cases that the concept applies to. And in the homelessness case, there are all kinds of 
borderline cases where we're not quite sure how far the concept extends. And you have to go through a lot of thought and reflection in order to decide that, that that's a case that belongs with the others or not. Look, it's a very interesting topic. What was it that inspired you to study two-dimensional semantics? Well, as a grad student, I was interested in the problem of mental representation, how exactly your words and thoughts manage to represent some feature of the world. So for how a word like water or dog or homelessness or boat person or Aristotle or any, any particular thinking thing that you can think about, how that manages to pick something out in the world. So it seems like when I mention any of these words, there's something going on in your head, and that that mental event, whatever it is, has, it manages to be about something in the world. So the question about mental representation is, well, what exactly is the event going on inside your head? Do you have something like uh, an internal symbol for, that corresponds to all of these, these words, which gets processed in something like the way a computer might process a symbol in a computer program? That's one side of the question. And the other side of the question is, well, what makes it the case that whatever's going on inside your head is about some particular feature of the world? So it might be something, uh, it might seem obvious from the inside,